Hey there, and welcome to this week's episode of Business of Circularity. I'm your host, Stuart Hillhouse. Got a really exciting guest for you this week. His name is Marco Pecce, and he and I connected over Twitter not too long ago. Uh, he began commenting on my posts around circular economy. I realized that he was a researcher and came from the academia side of uh, the business of circularity. And so I really wanted to get him on the show to hear more about what uh, his research is looking like and specifically because he's also in China. So hearing what the economy looks like over there. So Marco is a postdoctoral researcher and consultant at Caforscari University of Venice. He spent the last four years focusing on creating and implementing new tools to facilitate the adoption of circular economy and sustainability principles by Chinese organizations. We had a really great conversation. I'm still blown away that I can have a conversation with someone across the world in China real time and we can record it and I can share it with you. So we discuss how research and academia plays into the circular economy, what indicators you should be paying attention to while trying to quantify your impact and the changes of your business. And lastly, we discuss business models that Chinese businesses are currently implementing to try and kickstart the sharing economy and the lessons being learned there. And so that was my biggest takeaway is understanding how uh, businesses across the world at different scales are trying new things. And we mentioned a few failures and we mentioned a few successes. So hopefully you take something away from that. And without further ado, uh, my conversation with Marco Pecce. So you've been uh, researching in the circular economy space for the last five years. What, for someone who's never done any heavy duty research, what does your work look like and what has uh, really mm. focused yourself? Yeah, well, you know, a circular economy is not really a new concept. We can date it back like to the 60s, 60s, 70s, but it's only in the last uh, decade that uh, the concept of circular economy has gained um, international momentum of both more among scholars and practitioners so the topic is still uh, very new let's say like just to make a comparison uh, with another subject that I'm familiar with like climate change we might have like two three hundred thousand articles scientific articles circular economy has less than 10,000, maybe 5,000 articles. So it's still something uh, very, very new. If we look at cancer, which is totally another topic, we might have millions of articles. So circular economy in terms of uh, academic research is still in its infancy. So there's still a lot of things that needs to be researched, improved, analyzed, assessed, and so on. So, yeah, right now is a good moment to work on a circular economy, which is can be researched at a three different level. Let's say uh, macro, meso, and micro. So you don't you, you always have to you know you have a topic, but then uh, you have a, a lot of hundreds different subtopics, and we can divide it uh, like you know in micro. So you basically study circular economy at the level of uh, countries, regions, uh, and cities. 
uh, miso will be like uh, industrial industrial symbiosis, industrial parks. So uh, cluster of companies that are related to each other, they work in the same area and they can interact through uh, in different ways. And then at the micro level, which is the level I work with, uh, which is basically implementation of circular economy at the level of the single enterprise or uh, of its product or uh, services. And so far, all these three levels uh, are being analyzed mainly, mostly macro level, but also the micro level. We, we are having some uh, important studies. Now we're focusing a lot on uh, you know, circular business models. So basically how a company can uh, find a revenue, a new form of revenue, adopting a different way that uh, integrates in a good way in a circular economy. In a previous life, you were an environmental consultant. Did that? Did you, in that line of work, work with businesses? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And so, it, th- yeah, that's helped me, you know, to switch from climate change to circular economy, and that was like, you know, the trigger. Uh, basically, when I was w- working on climate change, uh, it kind of. Uh, you know, not depress me, but I was uh, focusing on the problem. And when I started also working as a consultant, uh, I was I noticed that uh, I prefer to focus uh, on the solution. So helping a business to identify their problems, but also find a solution. And uh, yeah, uh, working as a consultant, of course, it uh, helped me a lot uh, also in research because. Uh, you know, it helped me to better understand what they need, the language they speak, so what they want to hear. And uh, also the, another difference is the speed which they work. You know, in academy, we're quite, uh, you know, slow. We need to, you know, make sure that everything is uh, right, uh, double check while the business, business work uh, runs much faster. So, yeah, my experience as a consultant is not that much, but uh, it helped me a lot and so the language changed as well from climate change to now actionable circular economy it has to do with still making money but changing the business model yes but you know the the main goal of a company of a business is uh, to make a profit so uh, it's uh, you know one of the common question is uh, or uh, how much is it going to cost me to to change uh, or what I get back in terms of uh, revenue from uh, this change. So being able to answer this question and to let them uh, understand that uh, adopting new, uh, more sustainable behaviors uh, or strategies, uh, it might have a cost, but uh, I wouldn't focus much on the cost, uh, but also mostly on what you can get back and uh, that is this is really important and company now are starting to understand this if you were speaking to a business leader who's already bought into the idea and wanted to turn their business model from linear to circular what would be 
your first steps or actions or more around maybe the ideation of what mindset do they need to have to then move mm. forward? Well, I wouldn't, you know, rush from uh, moving through linear to circular business model. This change is, uh, would be like really important, really big. So moving too fast might be damaging, especially because you cannot be completely circular, ask me this term, if the context in which you are still work in a linear way so a company can change uh, if it's supported by institution that uh, in some way facilitate uh, this, uh, this shift so one of the first step i would uh, suggest to company first of all is to um, become aware of uh, why everyone is discussing about uh, this need, this, this shift from linear to circular. Uh, so adopting a system thinking. So what are the problems? Uh, are we just a company isolated from the rest of the world or we are part of a bigger system? Everything is a system. And uh, this is something that should be uh, really understood. So your actions have a an effect on the system you're working uh, in and uh, the system itself can affect your uh, your outcomes also mm, what do we intend with circular economy because a circular economy is not only how you say often said closing the loops because closing the loop might be uh, you know erroneously interpreted as just simply recycling but circular economy is not uh, just recycling. It's uh, an economy that uh, aims to keep uh, products, uh, materials, uh, the components uh, of the final products uh, at their highest value for the longest time. And only when we have extracted all the possible value of this material, then we close the loop through recycling. So it's not only one loop, it's a series of loops. And another um, aspect is that circular economy aims at uh, the coupling value, the creation of value from uh, the generation of waste. So basically, companies should be able to make a profit by minimizing waste, which actually makes a lot of sense. So what is waste? How would you define waste, for example? uh exactly and it, it's it's uh we feel so disconnected from it a lot of the time it's just there you don't even realize yeah. how much you're creating and you don't it doesn't feel like waste it's just the system you use it it comes with packaging that doesn't always feel like waste but knowing that it, there's no end end use for that is the yeah. the bigger mindset that that we need to start thinking about i think in my in my opinion yeah, but you know, waste is your kind of description as always a material aspect of waste, which is the first thing that comes up in our mind when we think about waste. We think about packaging, we think about 
the products that we don't want anymore and we want to throw away. But actually, waste uh, is not only material, it can also be structural. And when we talk about structure, we talk about space, about time, about human potential. So in a company, are we really using all the resources of our employees? Are we uh, using their knowledge of the processes in the most effective way? Are we really using the space we have available in an effective way? It's likely that this is not the case. So uh, for a company to understand uh, its uh, waste production, not only in terms of material terms, but also in a structural way, it's very important. So first of all, uh, I would uh, work on these things. Because at the end, waste, in let's say in business words is not obtaining 100% from your purchases and investments and of course not all your the money you spend you invest will be able to uh, be transformed in something profitable because we don't have a 100% efficiency but we are not even that good at this level that we say okay we cannot do more than this there's a lot that can be done in terms of waste reduction Right. Can you speak to um, the standards that exist and how businesses can implement those? Because they'd be different yeah. uh, regionally in all those different uh, spheres that you kind of spoke to earlier. But what, what have you found, and if that's part of your research right now? Mm-mm-mm. So, uh, yeah, I have some expertise with, uh, with standards. So right now there are like two. Uh, there's one very important standard which is from the British Standard Institution. And basically, it, uh, it was designed in order to help companies to develop and implement a sustainable, yeah, not sustainable, circular economy project. So to identify their role into circular economy, which kind of business model they can implement, how to measure uh, their performance, and, uh, and so on. However, standards are, um, are basically just the documents. So companies, uh, since they will need to change a lot, this transition will be quite big from linear to circular flows. They really need some tools that uh, will be able to support them in this uh, in this change, and uh, this is actually what is part of uh, my research and why I'm still here in China. So basically, mm, mm, the project I won last year and I'm working now is uh, about the development of a tool that is based on uh, on these uh, international standards. This tool is in the form of a software, both uh, that can be accessed both on a computer and also mobile. And uh, it will help a company to follow a series of steps from scratch in order to ideate the project, come up with the idea, till the end, which is a continual improvement uh, measuring of performance. And uh, the idea of this uh, software is uh, basically to provide something handy, something uh, quite easy to understand, 
and quite easy to use in order to motivate to give some uh, interest to companies to see that it's not something uh, uh, impossible or something uh, too expensive to do this uh, tool really want to help uh, especially those uh, small companies that don't have uh, all the money that don't have enough money to be invested uh, in those tools uh, that are available that require thousands of dollars uh, or those startups that might want to start already in a sustainable way in a more sustainable way but they don't you know startups don't have uh, much time or much uh, a lot of money to put into these uh, studies and analysis so my goal is really to uh, provide them with uh, an easy tool that can uh, help them to better understand their situation and how they can uh, improve their sustainability performance and uh, after that if they really feel the need to dig deeper into their problems into their uh, into the design of their product then they can be redirected to more specific more professional tools but they have different uh, range of price uh, and they're uh, you know quite uh, difficult also to implement so they usually need a, a consultant they need experts that uh, help you this tool uh, really wants to be used by the people that is working in the companies so they might of course they will have some expertise but they don't need to be uh, professors uh, or uh, you know technical technicals on that specific tools right so you're trying to make it, uh, the information accessible and yeah. actionable once people know that yes. then they can know what the next steps are yes exactly so basically it will provide information, but it will also provide uh, uh, suggestions based on your need. And it will also provide uh, some uh, kind of monitoring of uh, the performance through different in the indicators. You know, it's still at the, its infancy, so we will have a, a viable, minimum viable product by the end of the year. And the next year we will complete the software. So still a long way to go. Yeah, for sure. But that's a great start. Um, can you explain what the current narrative is in China around pollution and consumption? For I've never been to China, but it's obviously <laughs> in the news every single day in, in North America. Um, and yeah, can you just explain as someone who didn't grow up there, but is, has been living there for a, a lot, uh, majority of their life, what what you've seen, the, the conversation around uh, consumption be in China. Well, yeah, definitely. So when I arrived in China the first time, I was in Beijing. And uh, yeah, the change was quite drastic for me, a bit shocking because, you know, I come from Italy and in Italy we're famous for having a, a, good, a beautiful landscape, a beautiful sea, air, mountains. And even China is amazing. I mean, one of my most beautiful vacations were in China, the mountains and everything is beautiful. But one of the things that shocked me the most is, uh, uh, was um, the air pollution in Beijing. Beijing was famous for its air pollution. But in only four years, almost five, 
the situation completely and drastically changed. Now Beijing is not anymore among the most polluted cities. Is I think it's uh, after the 30th most polluted cities, and this is due to the fact that China really implemented a lot of uh, regulations for, uh, especially for the most polluting companies. So their problem uh, is big, of course, it's not only air pollution, it's a soil pollution, it's water pollution. This is caused by the fact that they are the industry of the world still, even if now industries are moving uh, the South Asia, so Vietnam and so on, but still the majority of production is, uh, is based in China. And uh, they're also not only producers, but now they're also becoming consumers. Chinese society now is more affluent, especially those that are able to, that can afford living in the city. Now, everyone wants to have the latest uh, iPhone, the latest mobile, the biggest car, the biggest home. Every, they're basically adopting uh, our same lifestyle. The problem is that they are a lot. There are many here. So if they become, uh, they reach our level of consumption, that would be a very big problem. So we really need to, they really need to find a viable solution in order to limit not only resource consumption, but also the degradation of the environment and not only for them but for the entire planet they are doing a lot and uh, i think some results uh, as i said with the air in beijing can be already observed uh, the only thing is that i noticed uh, is uh, that in my opinion this a uh, kind of command and control uh, behavior they have um, government toward companies uh, is uh, forcing companies to looking for the not cheapest but uh, quickest solution technical solution so they're not really trying to understand the problem and uh, how to fix it they just want to find the technology that uh, will remove the problem and let them keep going with their business as nothing changed so what many companies are uh, trying to do is just basically, oh, I, want this I have this problem, I want to buy this technology so I don't have this problem anymore. It's not, I wanna try to understand what is my role into the system, as I said before, and how can I, what can I do to, to improve? And this is mostly because uh, or they are able to respect the law, otherwise they will shut down. Because here in China, if you don't uh, respect the limits, then uh, the the moment since you stop respecting them till you shut down, it's very it's very fast. So uh, they need to do this. So it has its pros and cons, of course. Of course. What uh, what models have you seen work in China that um, people in other parts of the of the world might not be familiar with? Because obviously they have the population to support a lot of unique business models. Um, but I'm just interested to hear if there's any that come to mind, maybe on a consumer level, uh, that would uh, directly be seen as, a as the start of a circular uh, system. 
Okay, so yeah, you mean model like uh, circular economy models, right? Yeah. Mm. Well, I think China now is very famous for its sharing economy, which is more of a service economy. So the difference is uh, a service economy is you have a company that provide uh, a product like a car, like uh, batteries to recharge your phone, and then let user use it. And uh, then the company takes, takes care of repairing uh, that the product, uh, changing it, improving it. So the product belongs to one company. While uh, a sharing economy is more, uh, the company makes the product, then sell it to the customer, and then the customer shares with its own friends. So in China, it's called the sharing economy, but it's most, more of a service economy. We have these companies like uh, Mobike, which is uh, bike sharing. So Mobike and OFO are two very good examples. Very good. Very interesting example for two reasons. One is good, one is bad. The good one is, uh, of course, uh, bike sharing uh, helps a lot here in China. It helps you to do to arrive earlier, especially when you uh, get off the bus or the subway, then you have to walk um, sometimes 20 minutes, 10 minutes, and with the bicycle, you just uh, rent it with your phone, you unlock it with your phone, you hop on the bicycle, and then you reach the place you want to go with just for just one yuan, which is, uh, I don't know, maybe 10, 10 cents, 20 cents. So it's uh, extremely cheap. And uh, you can find these bicycles uh, everywhere around the cities, in the, in the biggest cities, but I think now almost everywhere. So it has been uh, really useful and really convenient. And of course, these uh, can have uh, benefit, uh, not only for people so in terms of the, uh, social sustainability, but also in terms of environmental sustainability, because um, bicycles uh, can reduce the use of cars, the use of taxis, uh, the use even of buses, so the public transport. So in this sense, uh, it can uh, be uh, a good thing. The negative aspect of uh, this example is the fact that they input in the cities so many bicycles that you couldn't basically walk anymore on the walk paths because they were full of all these bikes. And in the end, one of these two companies went broke because the quality of their bicycle were, was terrible. So after you know a few uses, you know when it's, the product is not yours, you tend also to care less about uh, how you treat it. And so bicycles were not used anymore, or they were locking the bicycles in order to not let other people using them. And uh, they ended up generated an enormous amount of waste. Bicycles that were not be able to be used anymore were just abandoned in uh, areas like new landfills and they ended up creating mountains of these unused and broken bicycles and now i don't know what's the end of those bicycles they just stopped talking about that company 
you cannot find these uh, yellow bicycles anymore. There's only the other one is left, which is orange. And uh, nobody said anything about the end life of this product. And then we have many other examples uh, of sharing economy uh, here in China. One that, in my opinion, is working pretty well is uh, uh, the possibility to rent batteries for your phone. So you, you, uh, you can charge your phone wherever you are. You go to the cinema, your phone is uh, almost, the battery of your phone is almost drained. You just go to the entrance, uh, you rent for a few UN. Uh, your uh, the battery, the power bank, and uh, after that you just put it back. And uh, did this is very useful, really. Yeah, you. I never heard the differentiation, but it makes total sense between the sharing and then the service yeah. economy, right? So in yeah. the service economy, a corporation would still own the asset, and you would just be borrowing yeah. and paying the service fee to have it in your in your use for a few hours, minutes, days. Um, yes. Whereas opposed to the uh, sharing economy is you still own it or someone, yeah. an individual still owns it and they're letting other people use it when you're not using it. So yes. Airbnb would be that, that same idea. Uh, yes, but uh, Airbnb basically don't own any, doesn't own any, any <laughs> building, any apartment. And uh, yeah, that, that's a that's an important difference uh, actually because you know if you are in a service economy, the company maintain the assets, while uh, in a in a sharing economy might not be able to the company that created the product might not be able to benefit of a second use of a third use uh, because you just sell it the first time and then uh, it loses the property. Of that good, so they're similar, but uh, at the same time very different. Yeah. Especially for the company, for the manufacturer. Yeah, for sure. And then the the still having the responsibility of the end of life of that product and understanding the yeah. full system that will be the hopefully the differentiating factor between the ones that are successful and the ones that aren't is that they are able to make the end of life of those bicycles, for example, still profitable they could um, retrofit them or whatever the reason or whatever the way yeah. is to still be profitable yeah. and bring it back into the system. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, definitely these two companies uh, they were not created, uh, uh, of course, uh, for a circular uh, reason. Was, you know, the, the reason probably was uh, uh, another one, a most common one, but, and you can see that by the fact that bicycles are not that. Uh, you can see that they're not designed for multiple uses, and uh, the problem is that they didn't think about the end of life. And in a circular economy, this is why I said system thinking is very important. You need to know what happens to your product at the end of life. So, this then we go. We can start discussing, you know, about materials. So all these materials can be recycled or not. Can the bicycle be easy, easily disassembled, or there are parts made of different materials that cannot be separated anymore, and therefore uh, the recycling becomes um, almost impossible. And 
these bicycles, you can see that they're not, they were not designed uh, in this way. We have better examples, for example, in the Netherlands, uh, um, the bike sharing, one of the bike sharing uh, models there, you can see that the bicycle is extremely resistant. Uh, is uh, It looks quite easy to disassemble and um, that uh, would be a better uh, example that has been uh, specifically developed uh, with sustainability criteria in mind. But still, you know, it's, uh, it's a start. Things uh, will improve. What, uh, what skills or knowledge would you recommend for a new company or an individual who's thinking of getting into business uh, or a, a person in business who is looking who is excited by it and unsure of where to start. Like what, what would you recommend that person start uh, learning about so they could be effective in this new economy that we're, we're coming towards? I would say start to understand that your company um, is not uh, isolated from the rest of the world. So focus uh, on uh, two aspects. Uh, one is the collaboration. Collaboration is extremely important in a circular economy. First of all, because uh, a circular economy requires uh, interaction between uh, different actors uh, in a supply chain, in a value chain. And uh, second, because we live uh, in such a complex world, in such a complex system that a company doesn't have, cannot have the entire knowledge within itself. So it's only through collaboration with, you know, NGOs, universities, institutions, other, uh, even competitors, you know, you can create consortia and uh, improve the quality of, uh, of the product. Collaboration will be, is extremely important and will be even more important. So learn identify opportunities to collaborate uh, open yourself to collaboration this will be mm, fundamental this will be key for companies in the future and another aspect which i already mentioned several times is uh, be able to think uh, in system so companies need to understand that they are part of an environment and their actions have an effect on the environment and changes in the environment can have a drastic effect on them. Being able to um, understand these can help an organization to better manage change. And we know right now we are living in a time where change is happening very, very, very fast. We have climate change, we have migrations, uh, we have increasing differences between rich and pours with the middle class that is disappearing. So a company needs to understand all these trends in order to be sustainable, even in a financial, in a financial way, because things is, are not only long-term. They change so fast that even in a couple of years, you might be out of business. And we have had so many examples. Uh, the, the one in Europe that shocked me the most was Nokia. Nokia was the leader in smartphone uh, telephones and in a couple of years, in a few years, completely disappeared. So uh, we really have so many examples of this. So being able not 
only in terms of environmental sustainability, but to understand that you're part of a system uh, is uh, extremely important in order to make right decisions and uh, develop right strategies. Of course, you know, you, no one can forecast the future in the perfect way, but if you have this awareness, you're less likely to end up making uh, big mistakes or missing an important opportunity, for example. Yeah, for sure. No, that's well said. And systems thinking is is just a business basic as well. You need to know that for understanding your consumer and your supply chain and your marketing and everything like that. It's its own system. So adding a, adding environment and end of life to your system will just allow you to have a better picture of what the, the true business you're in, not just the the kind of blindsided business for now, but as these as the um standards that we talked about earlier continue to enforce different practices better to have already known what to expect before it happened yeah i mean the waste is uh, waste management is one of the best examples because everyone was doing well with waste why because china was uh, letting uh, all the developed countries uh, to bring their waste uh, to them and then 3 years ago China stopped the import of waste and say, like, no, we don't want your waste anymore. And now we have uh, the entire Western countries uh, that are dealing with this uh, problem. Uh, in my country, we don't know what to do with waste because we, now we don't know where to send it anymore. So we just burn it. And uh, also in the U.S., also in North America, you know, this is happening. We were so used to, you know, get rid of the problem, to have this mentality, oh, waste is something I don't care. Uh, I know it's part of uh, my business, but I don't want to deal with that. Just to send it somewhere else. Now it's not this anymore. So if, you, if a company was aware of this problem, now um, it would be already in a better position than having to deal in a, in a way shorter time with it. Yeah. That seems about a good place to wrap up right now. Uh, Tons of really great insight that you provided there. I, I need to freshen up my systems thinking and learn a little bit more about uh, <laughs> the whole, the, how, the, how rules and regulation can also impact businesses as well. Um, yes. there, do you have any, any last uh, asks or, or uh, wishes from the listeners? Me? Mm-hmm. What do you mean with, sorry, I didn't understand. Oh, no, yeah. Do you have any, any wishes or asks mm, of, uh, from the listeners right now uh, while, you've got the, while you've got the last second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, nothing. I mean, I just uh, really hope that uh, this change will not only come from companies and institutions, but also from, uh, from us, from normal people. We need, uh, in my opinion, we need to ask for a change. And this uh, will only happen if we understand that our patterns of consumptions are not sustainable anymore. So, yeah, as I say to all my students, you know, is uh, we need people that are expert, and that, that, that's for sure, but we also need normal people that uh, in some way uh, trigger this, uh, this change. So my hope my kind of request, you know, is that 
all together try to understand that um, our behaviors need to be improved, especially in terms of consumption of products. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much, much Marco. That was that was awesome. Uh, you can find <laughs> you. out find uh, Marco online on Twitter at Ask Marco Pesce. That's M A R C O P E S C E. Uh, and uh, look into a little bit more of all his research work. And uh, he's also a climate leader for Climate Reality, which is Al Gore's organization. Correct. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Awesome. So you can uh, reach out to him and uh, he's ton of, tons of knowledge. So thank you very much, Marco. And till next time. Thank you. Thank you. I thank for everyone listening. Well, that's all we've got for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. And thank you very much to my guest as well. If you got any type of value from this episode, uh, something you can bring into your personal life, into your business life, it would make all the difference if you took one second and left a review of this podcast. That'll allow others to get it in front of their faces and spread the word so that we can get more and more people on board with the circular economy because that's really how it's going to work is we need to have everyone knowing about it and then everyone acting on it so it would mean the world to me if you could please leave a review of the show and reach out to me on twitter at Stu hillhouse s-t-e-w underscore h-i-l-l-h-o-u-s-e That way you can tell me if you enjoyed this, what you'd like to hear more of, and we can do this together. Until next time, thanks very much.